Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. Thank you for listening to us today. Kim and I are here to explore all things wine with you, things we found that we hope are interesting to you, and we like to explain everything we find. Our first thing we like to do is to tell you what we Googled ourselves this week. So, Kim, what did you explore this week? So it wasn't quite wine-related, but it is booze-related. So I was looking up some ideas for cocktails, and I wanted to explore a little bit what the current trends in cocktail flavors are. Working on putting together um, new things, and I was curious as to what might be the hip upcoming flavor combinations for the fall and the winter. It seems like citrus is very big, different sort of spice elements, and um, I've noticed from my own personal experience that there's a lot of more herbal flavors in certain cocktails and in uh, certain drinks that we've been having out at a variety of restaurants. So I thought that that was was that was kind of interesting. Was there any wine related cocktails that you could mix? Yeah, with? so there were definitely some sangria-ish type of cocktails. A lot of things using limoncello, which I thought were interesting. Uh, I mean, that's not necessarily wine in there, but a lot of them are grappa based, which is made from leftovers from wine making. So I tend to kind of group grappa in yeah, <laughs> with that wine. Counts, that counts. Um, I think that counts. So, you know, especially for fall, there seem to be a lot of cocktails that are are bringing a, a bit of a wine component into them, whether they be like a punch or a sangria or something with false spices, but then is incorporating red wine or even rosé. I would think it's a great way for restaurants to incorporate stuff from their wine list into their cocktail menu to use that as an ingredient to charge for an mm-hmm. extra ingredient. <laughs> sure. You know, so. And uh, what about yourself? What did you Google? This week, I was checking out the Massachusetts government site. We talk a lot about taxes and this and that, but people should know that you can go to mass.gov and there are reports for alcohol as far as what percentages are being direct shipped into the state, the gallon reports of what's being consumed or sold in the state. Also, it's by month. So you'd be pretty impressed if you looked at this list. Anybody who sends something in, it's each individual company. There's a lot of data there. So I'm always interested what's going on, what's the state monitoring and what are we seeing coming into the state? So it has to be told to people. So it is on the mass.gov site. Our first article today is from imbibemagazine.com. Tips on how to build a wine collection, Kim. And they gave a lot of things here. Do you get this question a lot? Um, you know, I'm looking to build a collection or start a collection. What do I do? I do actually get this question from friends and from people that come to my classes. You know, they're like, okay, how, if I want to have a good, diverse collection of wine on hand, not necessarily a seller for aging, but a collection of wine for every day or for special events or just to 
have on hand so that you're not constantly thinking, oh, I have to run out to the store and get something. So this, I think, was a really well-written article because it wasn't necessarily talking about these are the wines to put down for five or 10 years, or these are the wines to build a collection that is an investment collection. This is how to build a collection of wine in your home, doesn't have to be big, that you can get instant gratification from. And it's about building what you have on hand around what you like and how you live and how you drink and what you're going to use them for. So I think that there are some real great tips in here. Yeah, and they mentioned there should be no stress behind this. It should be fun if you want to start a collection up. It should also be affordable. And many times this is an affordable thing to start. So first, Kim, one of the first tips they gave was find a trusted source. And I've seen a lot about this recently where the trend is everyone is looking and searching online, but they're missing that trusted source, that personal touch for buying a wine or collecting a wine. Right. And I know that we're both on the same page with this in that if you are looking for recommendations that are really going to suit you, there really is no better way to do that than to have a one-on-one conversation with somebody who is getting to know your likes and dislikes and getting to know your palate. So finding a, a trusted source, a store, and that can be an online retailer if you do trust what they're selling. But especially in Massachusetts, that is a much harder thing to do. So we would really recommend that you find a brick and mortar store to go to. And I'm not just saying that because Mark owns a retail store. This I really feel like this is the way of having somebody understand you and what you like and will help you find the things that are going to have you enjoy your wine consumption the most. You know, as a store owner, they mentioned if you shop in a retail store, there are four things that you'll get. And honestly, the four things they mentioned, Kim, you can get online. They mentioned people that taste Mm -hmm. own a store. People that taste are selling you wine online as well. They mentioned uh, their wine buyers that are selling you stuff in a store. Their wine buyers that are selling you stuff online too. They mentioned selection. You probably find the same stuff, if not more, online. So the points they brought up, I'm I'm sticking up for the online sales. (laughs) They mentioned discounts too. Online offers it, stores offers it. But it's that personal thing coming in saying, I like this. What do you recommend? Online, it's automated. They're, they're taking like data and telling you this is what it, it may be because it's popular selling doesn't mean that's what you're looking for. Right. So those type of things is what you have to yeah, watch that, out for. That personal connection, I think, is really key. And one thing that they didn't do in this article was kind of give you a checklist like, okay, have Cabernets from here or and Chardonnays from here and Rieslings from here and this from here. There's no real checklist because some of those wines might not be what you like. And so if you go into a store that you, you know, you like their selection, you're you're learning that maybe the wine buyer and yourself have a lot of things in common, you can feel comfortable with trying some new things. And if you find new wines that you like, yeah, you know, add those to what you regularly have on hand. But you don't have to go down a list and be like, I'm going to have three of these and two of these and one of these really should be developed around what what you like and what the people in your household like to drink. That's a great point about the list because I know when I wait on customers, we start in a certain section, we work our way around. I'll say, you know, we'll go to France, we'll go to Spain, we're, we're walking down the aisles. Online, you probably have to go through multiple tabs, multiple, it might be by grape or by region, mm-hmm. but that, that's a good good point. There was no checklist like these 
you should have this on hand. Yeah. And I know I yeah. have seen that because I've seen other articles with how to build a how to build a wine cellar. And and there have been checklists where it's been like, okay, you need this many Bordeaux, you need this many Chianti Classico, you need this many German Rieslings. But if that's not what you like to drink and how you drink, then that doesn't make sense for you. So I think that this was a bit of a, of a difference about this article in that it didn't do that. And it was relying and trusting you, the consumer, to have an idea of how you integrate wine into your life. Yeah. Next, they mentioned for a tip, Kim, was set a budget. And when I saw this, I was thinking to myself, when I help a customer, the first thing I will ask is, you're looking for a cab, what price range do you want to be in? Thinking that it's to be consumed that night or that soon. But I've never thought of a budget thing to ask them, is this something for a collection or you want to you know, sit it down type of thing? So it made me think when they said set a budget. Mm-hmm. And what this brought to mind for me also is is that sometimes it is hard for people to talk about what they want to spend. You don't want to end up looking, you don't want to feel like you're being cheap, but you don't want to overspend if you honestly are going over budget with what you have for a budget. So really do have a good idea in mind of how much you have to spend and stick to that. And it's okay if you're looking to really to only spend on wines that don't cost a lot, because if you're not laying those down, laying down those wines, like you said, for a long time, and you're planning on drinking them over the course of the next six months, then you can find some really good values that might not necessarily be long living wines or long lasting wines, but can give you some real satisfaction in the very near future. The next tip, Kim, has a lot to do with what you just said, how to to build a collection, but look off the beaten path. So you can be very budget friendly if you explore things from other regions or look at producers that produce other labels, it can help you. So be open to other areas. So there are a couple of things that they mentioned in this point that I had never thought of before. So one that I had was look at that second label. So there might be a high-end producer from California or whatever that produces a higher-end wine, but then they might make a couple of other second label or a third label that is in a more reasonable price point for you to be able to buy a case of it or, or whatever. So usually a smart retailer will know who those producers are that make a second label and will direct you towards that. But yeah, the bef- other oh, Before sorry. you get to your other point, mm-hmm. let's, because our listeners here in second label, just an example of a second label would be like Mondavi. Mondavi makes very high-end Napa Cabernets, but they also make Woodbridge Chardonnay. So to, would that's you kind of their that? two extremes. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that's you. Right. That's the whole, it can be very extreme, but then in between that Woodbridge Chardonnay and that high-end Napa, there's a, other labels they Correct. make. Too. So retailers know everything within that range to get you within a budget. Exactly. So before you move on to your... Very good. So I'm very interested <laughs> to hear what you found. So the other thing that they talked about, and this is something that does require a little bit more research on your part, is if you find a winery that makes a wine that you really like, figure out who the winemaker is and then research that winemaker and see if they have any side projects that maybe are a little bit less expensive. So say maybe they're the winemaker at some big flashy winery that sells their bottles for $200. But then maybe they have other side projects where then they make a wine that sells for $25. That might be a more reasonable way for you to get your hands on some wines that are of a similar style to what you really like from that really expensive bottle without really having to break the bank. And I never thought about looking at what other 
things a specific winemaker makes. Now, that does take more research on your part. That gets to that second and third level of wine geekiness like we kind of like to talk to, talk about. But that could be a smart way to find some new wines that you might like. Wow. Big tip from you. Okay. Totally. Big. I, you know, it, it, like you said, though, it is very hard to find out that information. And if they work for bigger companies, chances are they're not allowing them to, yeah. to moonlight. But you do hear every once in a while, you know, the person behind this also makes this. And you mentioned a lot of times too, Kim, look for the importers of wine and follow the importers because generally that person right. is importing Yeah, that's my that's my little tip. And, you know, that really only works if you drink enough wine from other countries that you can kind of get a sense of turn the bottle over and you're like, oh, this was import- imported by Empson or this was imported by somebody else. And that you find that you are enjoying wines that are all coming in time and time again from that same importer. Well, you know, you might just like the style that that particular importer likes. And so therefore, you can feel more comfortable that going forward, there might be other wines that are going to fit your flavor profile that they are bringing in even before you try them. The next tip, Kim, which was kind of a pretty broad thing, they were saying, be prepared for anything. Any, <laughs> any other varieties have or some, styles. Yeah, have variety. Multiple price points, which it means everything we mentioned so far, be prepared to go low price, high price. I mean, different varietals. Because they're really saying that be prepared for needing wine for different occasions. So if you're looking to fill up a a little cellar with six cases of wine, say you need to be prepared for pizza on Tuesday or a graduation party or a quick celebration on a Saturday night or spicy takeout Thai food. You know, have a variety of reasons for drinking. So therefore have a variety of wines to fit those occasions. You're going to laugh at this, Kim, but what I see a lot of times when people are trying to stock up, you know, collection for home is they want to have their friends or their own personal collection. And then, oh yeah, the in-laws collection, (laughs) the friends collection. And how many times do you hear, I want a $30 bottle for me, but when my friends or family come, I want a $10 bottle. Well, sure. Why not? I have wine set aside that I have for my parents. It's very common. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. that's one of that's the things, another occasion. You yeah. know, that kind of fits in if you are brainstorming, okay, I need wines for this and this and this and this and this, you do need to take into consideration who else is going to be drinking the wines as well. But here's where I think that getting back to the personal shopping helps with this. You tell me you're looking for good, everyday, inexpensive wines for your collection to give to guests. That stuff I've tried, I can offer that I only it's hard to find that price point that is good tasting wine to 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 feel confident enough to give to your family and friends when they come over. Online, you can find a million in that price point. You don't know. You know what I mean? You don't know which ones are good. People just want things in that price point. doesn't mean it's good quality that you want to offer to your friends or family. Right. But you know what that really yummy $10 bottle is. So you can personally recommend it. That's where I think it's a big difference. And and don't be afraid. I mean, there are some good lower priced wines, but they're getting harder and harder to find that I would give to my family and friends. Mm -hmm. I would give you the good stuff, Kim. Thank you better. (laughs) (laughs) Next tip they gave for building a wine collection is be ready to pour it. Have the proper glassware, which we've talked about a million times. Personally, I think when people come by, they don't even care what we're putting in it. I like that they that it was less about the quality of the glassware and that you have enough. (laughs) I really like that suggestion. It's like, don't just have two wine glasses because if you're throwing a New Year's Eve party and you've got 12 people over 
and you only have three champagne flutes. Hmm, you're, you're a little out of luck. So I do like that they concentrated more on having enough glassware and not necessarily, oh, it has to be like super special Riedel or whatever you're thinking that you need to have for good crystal. As long as it is consistent and that you have enough of it, you should be good. Yeah, you got to have enough wine. Make sure you have enough to serve it in. Right. right? Make sure you have a good opener. And they do mention having a decanter. I have like five at home because that's me. But having just one decanter, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy, even just a water pitcher that you could pour a younger red wine that needs some air to it. Pour it in there, swirl it around for a little while, and you can pour it back in the bottle. It's going to open up nicely. And the last tip, Kim, for how to build a wine collection is storage of this collection. And we've talked about this many times. But if this is your everyday go-to stuff, chances are it's not going to be sitting around too long, but you want to keep it in a cool, dry, dark place. So when you pull it for your family and friends, it's good quality yeah. still. So it's more about consistency. Don't keep it in a place that is going to go from 80 degrees to 60 degrees and kind of back and forth because it's more the temperature fluctuations that do damage to the wine than if it's kept at too cold or too warm of, of a temperature. So it's better if wine can be stored somewhere around 55 degrees. But if you can't, just make sure that it's not fluctuating too terribly. And vibration is also an issue. So don't keep it in an old refrigerator for a very long time. For a couple of days, if you're going to chill it down, that's one thing. But over the long term, someplace without a lot of vibration, um, someplace without temperature fluctuations, and someplace that is relatively dark. So like I keep mine in a closet under the stairs in my basement. It's not temperature controlled. It's nothing fancy. It's pretty much just a closet in the basement, but it's cool and it's not shaking around and it does the job for me. Any other tips you would have on people to buy a uh, to build a collection or anything you felt was missing in this article i know you touched early on this was about a collection not about an aging collection so they didn't mention anything about what wines to buy that will age right so and i think that this is a good starting point because aging wine is a little bit more hit or miss than buying a bunch of things for immediate consumption and and learning what you like but i would say do take some chances because that is how you're going to learn and the other thing that they really did mention was about quantities. So often if I'm telling people or I'm suggesting to people buying things to put down or to have on hand, I will usually say don't just buy a single bottle of something. Buy two or three of a wine, especially if you if you do want to see how they how they change over time. But you never know what situation you're going to be in where maybe you need two bottles. Maybe you open one and everybody really loves it and you want to have another one of the same one. It can be handy to have more than one of the same bottle on hand at any given time. Now, you mentioned the checklist thing about kind of a guide of what to get. Do you feel using a restaurant, when you're looking at a restaurant list, that that is kind of a good guide of how to build a collection based on they have sparkling, they have reds, they have whites? Do you feel if someone wanted a guide when they're looking at their restaurant wine list? If you find a restaurant that you feel reflects the way that you eat, then I would say yes. But so many smart restaurant wine lists are built around what is it that they have on their food menu. So if you don't necessarily eat the kind of foods all the time that is on that wine list, I mean, that's on that menu, then that might not be a great way to build your wine, your wine cellar. But if I'm an Italian food lover mm. and I see this Italian wine list, it gives me kind of a guide. These are the Chiantis. These are the- right. Well, but that, but that is because that food menu matches up with Space. how you eat at home. Yeah. So if you do find that to be the case, then I would say, yes, go for it.
You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We're your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com and more information about Mark at franklinliquors.com. So a great segue from our uh, previous topic of building a wine collection is how to avoid looking, this says stupid, <laughs> to avoid looking stupid when ordering wine in public. Uh, this is from businessinsider.com. And it really was some some tips for the novice wine drinker on how to maneuver through purchasing wine or buying wine at a restaurant with only knowing a little bit about wine. But I thought that there were some handy tips here. Yeah, five tips. And many times, you know, people, the stupid thing is kind of bad. <laughs> but many times people came in, they'll say most of the time is, I don't know, anything about wine and they're honest but they feel embarrassed about it there's no reason to feel embarrassed about that's why we're here to help you understand wine and it is hard because it is a topic that we have the specialized language for and that you know you can get to feeling intimidated so quickly and i mean it's a topic that is exciting and we find it very exciting because there's lots of different things out there for us to try but it can be so overwhelming and we don't want you to feel overwhelmed by wine so there are there really are some great tips in this And the first one, which I love and I have told people a gajillion times to do this is it when you find a wine that you like take a picture of it and have a picture of that label because not only are you then going to remember the wine that you liked but that label has so much kind of meta information on it that you might not be able to discern from the label but if you show it to a wine professional they're going to be able to tell so much about what you like just by that wine label so i think this is really a great tip for people yeah and we we see this a lot people come in they'll have the picture one tip i would add Add to this. Do not forget to take a picture of the back label. I know you like those back labels. The back label, there's a lot more information on there. It can tell you who's bringing it into the state, who's the importer, helps you search it a lot better. Many times, just by showing the label of the wine you had, it's easy to research, easy to help you, rec- to recommend to you something that's similar or by the same producer or something like that. Because you might have had it in a restaurant. It's restaurant only, but I know the producer. So things like that. And I think going back to how we started, Kim, I think it's more helpful when you're explaining that you don't know anything about the wine than to start trying to bring stuff up to make it look like you know something about <laughs> wine. Does that make it's, it helps? Don't fake it because we're going to be yeah, able to don't, tell. Don't, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Just be honest. I know nothing, but this is what I want. Or here's the picture. And we're not going to hold it against you if you don't know necessarily a whole lot about wine or if you're using not the same language that we would be using. We're not necessarily going to educate you every single minute about the correct terms to be using, but we honestly just want to be able to find you something that you are going to enjoy because at the end of the day that's that's what we're here for have you seen it in the restaurant setting kim where people come in with pictures on their phone and they'll say hey, is it more retail thing? no it's more retail yeah it's more retail um See, if i went to trying a to explain what people are looking for that is very very yeah. common but not so much the picture thing because you change the list so often at a restaurant you might have been there six months ago and said hey i had this is it still here i don't see it or something mm-hmm. you don't see that as as often right Yeah, well, it helps. Pictures help. help. Pictures do help. So what's the second? So the second one is know a few simple descriptors of what you like and what you don't like. So the first is fairly easy, red, white, or rosé. I would also throw sparkling in here as well. People are, are, you know, fairly sure that they know that they like red wine and or white wine and or pink wine um, and sparkling wine. Then the second is, do you prefer lighter wines or heavier wines? So we're going to get up to, up, build up to, 
complexity here. The third, which is, I think, more difficult for people to understand about themselves. Do you like a sweeter wine or a drier wine? And sweet and dry can be difficult when you're first learning about wine to be able to, frankly, tell whether you have a sweet wine in front of you or a, or a dry wine in front of you, because there are so many different pl- flavors that come into play. Um, but know if you like sweet or if you like dry. And then finally, do you prefer fruity wines or do you prefer more savory wines? Now, in this article, they use the word earthy, but I'm going to substitute in savory because I think that is a better opposite to fruity than earthy because they're often we talk about California wines versus, say, French wines, New World versus Old World. I think if you like California wines, you generally like fruitier wines. If you like Spanish wines or Italian wines, uh, you generally like more savory wines. So I would uh, try to get to the bottom of which of those two styles you prefer. The more information you can put out and describe will will get the seller, the restaurant, the store closer to your palate. So that's that's the bottom line. We talk about that all the time. Profile is key. What's next, Kim? So the next is related to this, and it is pay attention to where your favorite wines are from. So this kind of ties into the first two. So, you know, if you find that you've taken a bunch of pictures of bottles and you have them on your phone and you look at them and you find that they are all from Italy, chances are you're going to like other Italian wines as well. So building up that collection of wines that you like are going to help you start to hone in on certain styles, certain grape varieties, and region usually will come into play with that. So that is a a great way to find new things that you're going to like if you find that there is some consistency in regions that you like as well. Yeah, and it all has to do with that terroir term we always talk about, Kim. It's the place. Where where is it from? It makes a big difference on the profiles of the wine. We talked about it many times. And you have to be specific to help avoid, you know, don't say, I don't know, I've never really experienced people, you know, I'm not, you don't get people coming in and say, I'm looking for cabs from India, that type of thing. (laughs) But if you had had it, you know, you want to be specific. Right. Um, And also, and the next one is using a wine app. And this is a great way to keep all those photos of wines that you've been taken or writing down a certain bottle that you that you like. If you use a wine app, then everything is in one place for you. Um, And that is some place that then you can go to and then the app might make recommendations for you, or at least you have all of your data in one place um, and start to sort of build a tasting collection. Yeah. If you're that picture person who's been taking the, the wine label pitches, upgrade to the app that accepts pitches because now you can organize them. You can track what you like, what you don't like, and you don't have to sift through all your kids' photos. Um, <laughs> Which I find I waiting. have to do. <laughs> yeah. When I'm sitting there trying to help you and you're swiping through all the pictures and I'm seeing your whole family and your vacation. <laughs> The last one, Kim, is what? Is specifying your price range. And we've said before, you know, please don't be embarrassed by how much you can spend on a bottle of wine. You might only have a few dollars to spend on a bottle, but what you're looking for is, you know, quality for the money that you have. And it's important for you to be comfortable with how much you spend on a bottle. We don't want you to feel like you have spent too much money on something that's not giving you good bang for your buck, but don't be necessarily embarrassed to talk to us about how much you're comfortable spending. And a good tip that they gave, which I know we've used before, was, you know, find something on the shelf that is in a price range that you are comfortable with and point to that. So you don't necessarily have to say out loud. There's something about saying out loud how much money you can spend. But if you can point to a bottle that is, it, maybe it's that $7.99, maybe it's $15, maybe it's $25, wherever you are that's comfortable for you. If you can be like, well, I'm looking for something in this price range, or I'm trying to decide between these two bottles 
models that are both maybe right around what you feel comfortable to spend. That's going to give the person who's trying to help you an idea of what your budget is. Yeah, I like that tip. And I always try to make people feel comfortable and ask that question. I'll be, what price point would you like to be in? Because this aisle is 12 and up and that aisle is six and up. You know, where would you like to be? Mm -hmm. So great point. And I think also with all these tricks, they they are for a restaurant and store, right? I mean, they, they're for both. When ordering, it could be restaurant or a store. Absolutely. So they, they're great tips for both. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud and visit us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine with your comments and questions. Cheers. Cheers.